Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 68. But before we dive into this episode, I kind of just want to address the elephant in the room. Last week, I put out a podcast episode that had no sound. (laughs) Oh, the irony of the podcast episode having no sound, a podcast episode that was entitled Worst Case Scenario. So... (laughs) Luckily, a couple of you guys were spot on. You basically DM'd and texted and emailed me right away to let me know. And I quickly rectified it. So if you downloaded the podcast, like if it was on auto download for you and the version that you got had no sound, I'm sorry. (laughs) If you go back and delete and then re-download the episode, there is sound there. I I literally have no idea how it happened, um, but this one has sound. <laughs> and all the episodes from hence to forth will have sound, including this awesome episode that is a conversation that I had with a longtime listener, Lindsay Dunville. And basically, it was just like a really fun, honest chat about all things running. And I think you're going to love it. Actually, I know you're going to love it because Lindsay is awesome. We talk about everything from making the transition from roads to trails, from marathons to ultras, and some of the challenges that come up along the way. And we even do a little mini coaching session in there to help Lindsay drill down on something that was really sort of holding her back. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Lindsay Dunville. Um, Okay, so Lindsay, tell us a little bit about you. Sort of introduce us to the crew because you and I have been trading emails for a while and I want you to sort of, you know, just tell everybody who you are, what you're up to, how you sort of found me, found the podcast and, you know, how did we, how did we become email BFF? Yeah. So I, um, I live in Ontario, Canada and I've got a lovely little family of two, two boys and a a husband. And I work in um, the uh, environmental enforcement sector with the public service here, which is an awesome and rewarding job. And uh, throughout um, university, I, I started to pick up running as um, a means to deal with uh, anxiety and stress. And, uh, and I, I started to actually love it and set uh, little goals and challenges and, and started to get into more uh, greater distances. And so um, took a little break when uh, having children and got back into the half marathon distance. And uh, I came across you uh, because I've started to get interested in um, more ultra distance running. I've run a marathon distance a few times and ha- have been really intrigued by going a little further than that. So that's how we sort of became acquainted. And so how many years would you say like overall have you just been running like five years, 10 years? Oh my gosh. Over, definitely over 10 years, probably closer to 15 or so. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very recreational back of the pack (laughs) kind of runner, um, but really enjoy it. Yeah. You're in good company. That's like (laughs) a lot of us. (laughs) Again, I think people like somehow have this misconception that, uh, or a lot of people I think have a misconception that when you say you do ultras, that you're somehow super fast. And that is not the case for me. That's the case for some people, but I definitely identify as sort of like a mid to the back pack type of runner. So you're in good company. (laughs) 
I, I really uh, I felt like I ident- identified with you and you you talked to, there was a podcast you had about sort of trying to chase this marathon time and never really being able to get it and then recognizing why why I don't really care about that and that's how I've how, how I've really felt with with the marathon distance it was just something I I, I like pushing myself for but um, I was chasing these goals that really didn't matter to me so <laughs> I, I really I what were some of those goals yeah so as I said I'm sort of you know more back of the pack slower so I I, I had this number of a 430 in my head um a four hour 30 marathon and I, I I came like six minutes short I and then um yeah so it was a lot of a pace because I find with uh, marathon road running and just road running in general it's very very pace centered focused on achieving that you know Boston goal or under four or uh, and it just I just could never get there and it really I think largely well because of my physical abilities but also because I didn't really have the passion for that part of running so yeah (laughs) so your talk on that really really I could really relate to that oh good I'm glad yeah that was definitely a big one for me that I just you know tried so hard to try to hit that four hour mark and again and again and again I would get close but it was just, and I would be putting forth a lot of effort, you know, hindsight being what it is, there were all sorts of things that I wasn't doing that I know to do now that probably would have helped me hit that goal. But at this point, I I don't care. (laughs) You know, I actually did a long run the other day, that was just about four hours. And the objective was zone two. So it wasn't the objective was not to try to go fast and cover as many miles as possible. I think I netted out with like, 16 miles in four hours. And I was like, wow, that's like a long time off of what I Mm -hmm. used to do, which was, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a marathon in like 415 was probably like my fastest. And I'm like, wow, that's, I've definitely gotten slower, but that's not the objective anymore. You know, like now the objective is different and bigger. And so I think, you know, we sort of have to put all those things into context. And, you know, when you have a specific set of goals, you can, you know, measure your effort against that set of goals, but, you know, mine are different than yours and different than everybody else that's listening to. So it's difficult to compare, you know, it's apples to oranges all the time. It's, you know, your body, your history in terms of running, your physical ability, your goals. So every single one of us is completely sort of siloed, but like we're all together, you know what I mean? Like if that, if that sort of makes sense. So yes, it does. Yeah. So how did you sort of get introduced to the idea of ultras to begin with? Was it on the podcast or you heard about them somewhere else? Yeah, so I I, I like to follow sort of inspirational uh, people through, particularly through Instagram. And, you know, I started stroller running when, I, when my uh, children were, um, you know, of that age. They still are. But um, I started with that and I, I came across some really inspirational people that were, you know, pushing their kids for these really long distances. And that became really inspirational for me. And then sort of started following their journeys and getting inspired by, you know, like similar, seemingly similar lifestyles where they had, you know, similar obstacles they were facing in their personal and professional lives. And, um, and, and thinking, oh, you know what, that looks like a really, really awesome challenge. And particularly this, this whole idea of trail running, which is not something I have had much experience in and, and realizing that a lot of these ultras are, are held on, you know, on trails and you get to just be exposed to so much awesomeness compared to some of the road running. Right. So yeah, we sort of through that through inspiration from other people and, um, 
in, in social media, I guess. Um, and so do you have, have you done much trail running? No, actually I haven't. So I had my first, I guess I did a stroller trail one run, but it wasn't, it was obviously traversable, but, but with, with stroller. So it wasn't anything really technical. And then, um, uh, my, my friend and I did our first actual trail run this past, um, I guess it was fall, um, a shorter, a shorter distance run and just loved it. And she's such an amazing, just the group, uh, of, of trail runners, just the support there. Anyways, we got hooked and we started looking for, for different uh, trail run opportunities. And it's just a whole world out there that I had no knowledge of before this. So no, very new to trail running. Um, and the winters here aren't really conducive to, you know, to that happening a lot during the winter months. So it's, I haven't been on them much during this training cycle, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to go back. Cause like stroller running, that's legit. <laughs> <laughs> That is so hard. I mean, I have a friend who watches his granddaughter, his grandchildren now. And he, when he just had the one grandchild, he would push her in all sorts of 5k races. And it was, and there would be other people pushing kids in strollers too. And I just can't, I mean, that, that to me just seems like the most amazing feat, like running with, you know, one arm, one arm holding, one arm pumping, like switching. I've seen people, you know, with the strollers attached to their waist, you know, free, like the stroller is just going, there's no hands on and they're just, you know, and then going up the hill. I was, I was actually beat one time in a race by someone pushing a stroller uphill. And I was like, mm, maybe time to reevaluate my wow. training. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So my first, uh, my first son and I, we did uh, two stroller 10Ks together, two stroller 10K races. And it was honestly probably just thinking back, you know, even having a competition marathon, those two, two races were m- my absolute favorites because, you know, he crossed the finish line first and then in the stroller, we put the medal around him and just, it's just such a great environment for them to be around too. And yeah, yeah, the challenge was, was it's tough. I'm not, I, I'm certainly not uh, uh, very good at it, but I just, I just loved, you know, I, I loved, I loved doing it. I love doing it with my, with my son. So yeah, yeah. It, it's harder in the winter here for sure. Uh, and yeah. now, you know, I've tried a couple of times with the double, but uh, a double stroller, but whoo, yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is also legit double stroller. Um, So, well, I think that's like a good first sort of introduction into, you know, doing hard running things, which sort of rolls right into doing ultras and trail running. Um, How did you find, I know you've only done a couple trail runs, but how did you find sort of the transition from road to trail when you, when you started to do some of just those, those first runs? Oh my goodness. So I will say that I don't, think we actually my friend and I actually really did much of a trail run before our first race and so it was interesting to do that because you're so used to I find in in the road running community you know the you've got the watch on you're following a certain pace and we really felt a little bit lost in terms of how you know should we be running faster or slower and and not anticipating you know the next crazy hill and, and just really feeling a little bit lost in terms of how, what, how to push ourselves. But 
in a way it was good because, you know, we kind of just went based on feel and, um, and so, yeah, it's a, it was, a, it was a little bit different, but I'll say we loved it. There was no, I fell, I fell, <laughs> I took a nice little fall in there and that was, it was actually fun. I'm, it was, it was, it was funny. We had a good laugh about it. And, um, I don't know, it just, it, I, I'm sure you can relate, but you just, we just kind of got the bug for, for doing it. And yeah. So yeah, it, we felt a little bit lost in terms of, um, how to tackle the trails and, 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 and pacing and, uh, you know, tackling, uh, tackling hills in, in trails. I learned very quickly that I don't think we saw a single person walk a hill, <laughs> you know, just, you know, or sorry, run a hill. I should say they, everyone just walks them, you know, powers up. Um, it's just a different mentality. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Anyways, it was, it was, uh, felt a little bit out of place, but at the same time, very welcomed by, by everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the things that's the most, sort of difficult, I'll just use that word like loosely for people when they do make this transition is just sort of figuring out what you're talking about, how to actually run. And I hear a lot of people getting very frustrated with this because they're like, well, I obviously know how to run. I've run on the roads for years, but for whatever reason, I just either can't find a good sort of cadence. I can't can't get into a rhythm. I don't know when to walk. I don't know when to run. Like I'm, I'm totally, you know, gassed doing a a distance that would be really easy for me on the trails. Like what gives I fell, I never fall. Like, what is this? So it's like, it is the same sport technically like running, but it's a whole different animal. Like road running and trail running are two completely different things with their sort of their own separate rules and their own separate, you know, ways of doing things. And so I'm glad that you sort of touched on that because people, I hear all people all the time. And I was frustrated too at the beginning because I was like, had the same feeling. Like I've been running forever. Why can't I do this? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm tripping. I'm falling. I'm so slow. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) It just takes time. And I think um, that's one of the things that, the thing that keeps people going is that it's more interesting, maybe more fun than trail running because, you know, you can only dodge traffic for so long yes. before it gets boring. Um, yeah. And the the trails are just uh, more of an inviting environment. And the people that you're going to meet out there are also going to be way more fun, way more interesting in my, in my opinion. No, no, you know, disrespect or hate for roadrunners, but like, I think it's just, it's a completely different uh, environment. So it really is, you know, people just cheering you on and, you know, it, it yeah, I, it was just such a welcoming, welcoming environment. And yeah, I, I I'm really excited for <laughs> some future runs. So do you have uh, races planned for this year? I do. I, I went probably, I probably did not heed your advice in terms of going crazy with signing up for, for races, but, um, there was, so I actually, so I have a, a road race coming up, a 30 K road race. And it's, it's one that I absolutely love. Uh, that's, this is at the end of March. I've done it a few times now and, um, it's just a great, great challenge. And then, uh, following that there's a, uh, it's a, it's a rate, it's a trail race series of five races held throughout the summer and fall in different conservation areas in Ontario. Um, so I've signed up for that. And then I also have, um, I've signed up for two different 50 Ks. So one in June and one in November, one is primarily, uh, like a ro- an asphalt trail type system. And then the other is full, full trail. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So quite a few on the, the docket. 
Um, I'm sorry, my my dog started barking. So they're they're fifth. They're all 15k or they're 50k. 52. So I have two 50ks. Yeah, one in uh, nice. one in June, one in November. Yeah, the okay. the November one's the trail, the trail one. The other one is just a paved path. Nice. And so, are you excited about this? These will be your first 50ks. Yeah. I'm so excited. I, I'm I'm nervous because I've been I've been having some tough long runs, some really tough, discouraging long runs. So so I, I know I've got a little bit of time, but uh, yeah, that's I'm I'm feeling that worry, you know, on that side of things. But I'm so excited at the same time. I mean, uh, there hasn't been much running, uh, race running going on, just with you know everything. Um, so this is sort of the first year that everything seems to be back up and running and just being around the race environment too um, and watching other people tackle those challenges. I get such motivation from that. So I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah. That's awesome. So how is your, like you mentioned the runs are not going so well, like what's, what about them? Like you'd feel like you don't have the legs for it, the lungs for it. Like what's going on? I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure this out. I think a large uh, challenge is the uh, weather related. So the footing that uh, that I'm experiencing on these runs, sidewalks are very, very difficult to run in. You're wearing cleats. It's just so slow. I feel like there's so much more energy in each step to get through, through the road, the wind and the cold. And I think just the elements have really gotten to me and I have a lot going on to the outside of running that's been mentally exhausting. And I just feel like it's all been creating this, this just perfect storm. So when I get to a certain distance, I just kind of shut down and I can't tell if it's mental or physical. It just feels kind of like both. And I, I just am struggling to keep going. I end up very quickly sort of walking, walking a lot more. A couple of runs ago, I got to 18 kilometers and I just could not keep going. And I, I walked the, the sick, the remaining six home. <laughs> and, I mean, it was great. I'm, I'm on my feet, but it's certainly not how I envisioned the run going. And, and it's, it, it's certainly, uh, it's scary when I think about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'd like to challenge myself to go at least double that. And, uh, you know, so I, yeah, I just been, I don't know, feeling, yeah, just a real mental and physical, um, challenge with my long runs. So talk to me a little bit about like when you're on these longer runs, are you eating and drinking? Like what's your, and what's the objective? Like, are you trying to do a specific pace? Are you trying to do zone two? Like, I think there's some stuff in there that could probably hold the key to sort of what's going on. So if indulge me a little, like, let's break it down. Yeah. So the training plan I'm following is largely, largely just based on, uh, distances. So, um, you know, increasing, um, a little, safely each week and then, um, sometimes ducking down for a little break, um, every third or fourth week. Um, so when the long run comes up, it's, it's distance based. I, I obviously have a, a pace in mind, but, um, it's kind of been thrown out the window just simply because it's impossible to keep that pace in the, on the, the footing conditions right now with ice and snow. But, um, in terms of fueling, I felt like I have, I feel like I've been feel fueling okay during the run. Uh, you know, I'm using the chews and an electrolyte drink, but I will say that when I've reflected on the last few weeks and the, I haven't really been, um, taking the days leading up to the run as seriously as I should in, in terms of, you know, that fueling and hydrating and, and, and I, I, I am, 
I am not, I am older than I was when I did this before and lots of other stuff going on. And I guess I've just, uh, you have to respect the distance. And I think that I haven't been really doing well on that side of things in the days leading up to it. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I do believe that's part of it. And also just this sort of mental fatigue with everything else going on. That's, you know, possibly affecting me during the runs too. Um, it's, it's discouraging though. I will, I will admit that, you know, the thing that you love when it becomes this, this real challenge and, and, and starting to, to, you know, the worry from, um, from how it's going, just entering other parts of your life when it used to be the thing that, you know, I did to, <laughs> to, you know, challenge myself and, and, and get, and, and, but, you know, enjoy it's, it's become a real, a real roadblock for me. And, and, Especially when I, you know, the other side of me has all these goals that I want to achieve and I feel like I'm putting in the work other than, you know, the proper prep before the run. Um, and I just, I just seem to be stuck in this sort of terrible long run loop. <laughs> so um, you mentioned before that your plan sort of has you doing three, what I would call up weeks, yep. three or four up weeks where your mileage increases, let's just say one mile, two mile, three mile, you know, like we're building and then you have a, a down week where your mileage is less. Is that correct? Yes. I, I will say the last leg of this hasn't, there hasn't been a down week and we're sort of entering a, t- I'm entering a taper after this weekend um, leading up to the race. So I could have done that a little bit better there, but yes, there, there wasn't a, the last down cycle didn't really happen because I was kind of trying to scramble to fit in more kilometers. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So there's one key, like there's one thing to sort of take a look at. Um, You know, everyone sort of has, um, has a threshold, so to say, about how many up weeks they can tolerate before they really need a down week. And so if you're going three or even four weeks, so you're, you're only getting rest, you know, once every other month that might be something to look at too, because that might just be too much for you. And especially with some of these other things that are going on, you might want to switch it to two weeks up, one week down, or even three weeks up, one week down. But four, in my opinion, seems, I don't ever do four for people because it's just too long. You know, you start to get into sort of the phase that you're in where you don't know, is it physical? Is it mental? You know, it's like you start to sort of lose hope and faith and like you start to get to this sort of, yeah, black hole type of mentality, which is on par for what you're doing. So I wouldn't worry because you're right on track. <laughs> and I think what you really just need is like some downtime. So I'm happy to hear that you sort of have a taper week coming. Um, but that might be something to look at going forwards with your training plan. Can you sort of rework the weeks to still do the, you know, hit the mileage, you know, high notes that you need to, but can you do it in a more sustainable way where you're not having such a low, low and wanting to sort of, you know, just be done with it. Um, (laughs) or like questioning whether or not this is for you and sort of like, even it out. So the highs aren't too high and the lows aren't too low that you sort of have this even keel, but you're still making progress as far as mileage goes. Well, it's funny that you say that too, because, you know, when I think about, so my last, uh, last week's lawn run, I think was about 24, just under 25 kilometers. And the end was pretty tough. And, 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 you know, the pre, the, the week previous was awful. And, 
but I just kept adding kilometers. It's not necessarily going to get better, right? It's and having even just having you know the obviously the the physical and, and mental break, but also I guess um, you know if you're if you're running a shorter run on that on that down cycle, it, it might build up that confidence again, right? And and which I find is such a huge huge thing for me in terms of how next the next week's run will go if I know I've had a good run. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. It's something that I hadn't done in the past, these, these up and downs. And I, I just, I have to keep remembering, I'm not the same person I was, you know, when I was running these distances, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Right. It's, and it's, it's a different, the, the mentality on how to sort of make progress has changed even from, you know, when I started running these types of distances 10, 12 years ago, like the, the process evolves. And again, like you're not in the same body that you were. So we sort of have to have a little bit of grace for that. Like what you were able to sort of muscle or push through back then is different now. And we have to sort of tweak the plan to suit our needs versus just getting, you know, this random sheet of paper that says, you know, do these things and follow through. Um, more, I think this is a, any of my clients that are listening to this are going to laugh so hard right now because I say this to them a lot, which is more is not always better, right? But we get into this cycle of, well, the last one didn't go well, last run didn't go well, so I should do like a little bit more this time to make up for that. Or I skipped a run because, you know, whatever life happened, so I should make up for that by doing that run's mileage in combination with this run's mileage to like, you know, to like, to make up for it. And you, that's not the solution. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> like, that is not the solution. Um, and it comes from, the solution comes from following the plan consistently and showing up and doing the work that's on the plan consistently and not trying to compensate for, again, the high highs and the low lows. And more is not always better. And that's why I'm always such a proponent of having like a really good, smart training plan versus you know, kind of a cookie cutter one. And that's why I'm always trying to like, you know, like you guys have episode four of this podcast and the download that goes with it that will tell you sort of how to manipulate any free plan that you get online to suit yourself and how to incorporate strength and mobility into all that, which I get is a bigger conversation, but at the very least understanding that there's a method to the madness of up and down weeks and you need those down weeks. And so I'd be interested to sort of see how your race goes and then how things go after that race as you sort of like take a week, you know, hopefully after your race, you have a down week or like a recovery week. And then as you slowly start to ramp up again for your race in June and what happens when you pay more attention to your rest and recovery weeks. Yeah, I, I'm actually really excited about it because I, I, you know, in all honesty, I never, I didn't give it much thought as much as, you know, it's been hammered home to do that. And I think another part of it too is, is playing that comparison game and as wonderful as social media is for inspiration, it can also be such a, a, such a difficult thing when you see other people that are, you know, just don't seem to have the same challenges or at least they're not admitting them and can crack out all these kilometers every week. And, and, you know, the type A personality 
reality sort of gets triggered and, you know, okay, well, I, I mean, they can do it, then I can do it, but that's not, that's not the truth. Right. And, and, and just, just remembering that and, and, it, and, and, you know, what's my ultimate goal here? It's not to be them. It's not to do what they do. It's, it's to, for me to, you know, show up healthy and, and, you know, hopefully finish healthy and, what do I need to get that done? Because they're not running the race for me, right? <laughs> yes. I also think that different individuals, and I've seen this play out on a bunch of different levels in, in myself, in the people that I know, the people that I coach. I believe that everybody has a different capacity for work and work meaning physical output and training. And even if your capacity for work is more or less than mine, that doesn't mean that I'm not as capable of achieving my goal as you are your goal. So even if you and I had the same goal to run a 50K, the same race on the same day and have relatively the same times, our training plans shouldn't be exactly the same. They really should be tailored for our capacity for work. I was just having this conversation with a client the other day where we were actually strategically doing a three-week block of build. Um, and she just reached a certain point where she was like, you know what, I, I need to take tomorrow off because I've reached my limit. And that was a really good um, indicator for me. Okay, now I understand what her capacity is. Like, I understand. She has a really high threshold for work. She's a grinder. She will show up. She is that person that will show up and do all the work um, no questions asked, but then she's also really getting really good at understanding, okay, what's the tipping point between this is enough work and this is too much work to my detriment. So that's an important skill. Yeah, absolutely. For trying to figure out where, figure out where that is. Right. And I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just trial, trial and error <laughs> until you, until it you is try. trial and error. Yeah. You do have to, that's, I think some of the frustrating part about going longer distance is you do have to have a lot of trial and error to figure out. And at the same time, it's also trial and error of the mind as well. Right. It's not just, you know, uh, my physical output at 5k, 10k, you know, those lower levels, because those you can really just sort of push through. When we get to the higher levels, it's it, the, the switch gets flipped. And it's a lot of it is more of a mental game. And if you can sort of master the mental aspect, at the same time that you're getting an understanding of what your physical capacity for work is, that's sort of like the, the magic combination where you can figure out, okay, you know, I'm tired, but I still have the ability to do it. Or, you know what, today is actually not a good day for me to do this run because X, Y, and Z. And then you make some adjustments to your training to sort of reflect that when you might actually be in a better position later in the week to do that run because of you know, you don't have so many meetings or whatever it is that you've got the energy to actually devote to the training. Right. And I think um, even just uh, just touching on that during the actual run. Um, so, you know, I decide to go out um, on my long run and, you know, hit that sort of that, that I, I don't want to say the wall. I have hit the wall before <laughs> and it's not that, but it sort of feels similar, but it's, it's, I, I know the ability is still there. And even, even, I, I think I mentioned this in an email too. It's, it's sort of, 
um, I think it called, I called it getting too comfortable in your comfort zone. So on a run when things might get a little tough, um, I, 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 te- I tend to sort of just say, eh, okay, I, I'll walk it. I change that goalpost like so easily and, and kind of give, I don't want to say give up, but I, I do. I really do. I don't, I, I, I kind of do a check-in and say, eh, it'll be, it'll be easier if I just walk this. And, um, and so, yeah, that's the other thing I've, I've been sort of struggling with is, you know, is just getting comfortable with, with not pushing myself when things get tough on a run, if everything else is okay, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and, but I'm just, it's, I'm just struggling a little mentally, struggling a little physically, but I, I probably could go through it if I just had a little bit more, you know, mental and mental strength, I guess. And, and that's another, that's another area I've been sort of challenged with. Yeah. I think this is an interesting topic of conversation because especially again, when we talk about ultras, the preconceived sort of idea is that you have to run every step of every training run. And, you know, you guys that have been listening to me and sort of in my world for a while know that walking is a really big part of my training. And so I think when you hit this wall, we'll just call it, you know, just hit this wall or challenge or obstacle that walking can be a really strategic way to sort of figure out what's going on. Because if you get the urge to sort of stop, you could theoretically still keep walking, right? Still keep ticking off the miles and walking. And then that would give you time to work through what's going on in your head. Or if it's something going on in the body, like you're not drinking enough, you're not eating enough, you need to stop real quick and do a stretch or a mini shakedown to sort of feel better. And then that would actually allow you to keep going. And what I tend to see happening is people hit that challenge or that obstacle. They have to stop running for whatever reason mid race. And they somehow make that mean that they're not good enough. They can't do it. They can't keep going. But All that has really happened, if we sort of just boil it down to the circumstances, is that you got tired, your body got tired, it sent your brain a signal that said, we need to hold up for a second, and maybe like slow the pace down and sort of reevaluate the situation. But we as humans, like turn it into this whole big thing. And like, (laughs) yeah, like, I can't do this. I'm no good at this. Like, no, that's really not it. It's just a signal that came from your body that went to your brain that told you in because it knows that you're not going to stop. So it like it has gotten the memo that you're going out on these long runs. And so what's really happening is it's trying to protect you and just say, look, I know we're out here for the long haul. If you want to keep going, then we we have some needs that need to be addressed, you know? And so, but this is, this is super common too. And the best way that I know how to handle this and how I handle it personally and how I tell everybody else that I work with is like, okay, just shift downshift to a walk and start to just see what's going on. And if you have to walk for a little, yeah, do a check-in. Like if you have to walk for a little bit, have a snack, have a drink, you know, do some, do a shakedown, whatever it is. I guarantee you, if you just sort of stop beating yourself up about it and you just walk for a little bit and see what happens, you'll probably find another spot where it just feels natural. You'll be like, okay, I'm done walking now. Let's run. I, I feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can do this now. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
okay, so sure to just, just, yeah, recognize it, allow it. And then, and then just, you know, keep taking those steps forward, do, do some readjustments, check-ins with yourself and, and then just keep plugging ahead if, if you're safe and healthy and, and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And we're all, we all have different, again, different capacities for work. I was just sort of like skimming through one of the emails that you sent me about, um, you know, going on this long run with your friend and you were talking about walking on the hills and she was saying, you know, that you don't need to apologize for having to walk on the hills. And you were, you know, she was, she was asking you like, is it your heart rate? Is it your breathing? Is it your legs? Like it could be all of those things. And the way to sort of parse out what it is, is to sort of go through what we were just talking about. And then over time, this is how you start to build up the, people think it's mental toughness, but really I think it's more self-awareness to what your limiter is. And, and not just sort of getting angry about stopping, like we talked about, like the body sent the brain a message, the brain responded and it happened. Don't get so angry about it. Just use it as a way to sort of check in and figure out, okay, is my heart rate too high? And then having a hard time catching my breath, is that why I need to stop? Do I have this weird thing going on in my leg that's bothering me? Am I like running low on calories? Like that's, you know, that's a big problem too. And we often just chalk it up to, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough at this. I'm not, I don't have enough mental fortitude or resilience. And I'm all about talking about mental skills, but everything doesn't boil down to you not being mentally tough enough. A lot of it boils down to, am I... Uh, self-aware enough to assess what's going on and figure out, is it really have a physical thing or do I need to just, you know, slap myself up upside the head and tell myself to keep going? Like there, those are two different, you know, sort of things like two different branches. Yeah, no, that's such a good per- like way to, to frame it instead of just this instant, you know, self like negative self-talk oh here you go again you're stopping and you know you're not good enough you're not fit enough it's it's so easy to go down that that rabbit hole when you're out there and you know even just recognizing I guess that the one run that was terrible I like I said I got to 18 it's such a weird distance for things to go south and and, and, but then I, it was a, it was a bad weather day and I just kept, I walked six kilometers home. Like that's something to be proud of. I, I got, you know, I, I still pushed forward and, you know, got to, got home. I did the distance I wanted. It just wasn't really in the way that I had thought it would be. And, and that was okay. Like I reckon, I guess, you know, being okay with that and recognizing that that is, you know, I, that's, I, you know, I'm mentally tough, but that is, is you know, I, I pushed through it. And yeah. One of the questions that came up recently in um, the run your first 50 K group was, do you count the miles that you walk? My response was, why wouldn't you like, why wouldn't you? you did you float? Like, you <laughs> know, you got from point A to point B. The first uh, half marathon I ever did uh, was years and years ago, and it was with uh, with a, a, an old friend, and we had no idea what we were doing, and and we didn't think we thought if you walked you, that that you know 
okay, well then that did that half marathon didn't count. The whole race didn't count. So we would go through these water stations because I don't think any of us carried, you know, water or anything. We did had no clue what we were doing and run along the water station trying to chuck the water in her mouth. And, you know, don't stop. God forbid you take a, a walking step to get the proper fuel. And it was so bizarre and funny. And 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 now you realize that can, can be really good strategy for for achieving a goal, right? If your goal is to not walk during a half marathon okay that's a great goal but that was not our goal right it was to finish this half and it was so funny thinking back on like <laughs> that's such a funny mentality and yeah and I think that mentality sort of carries over from road running into trails <laughs> and this is how this is a really common and I'm poking fun at this question but everybody in the group knows that I'm I'm not poking fun at them it's just like I'm constantly challenging their preconceived notions about what they should be doing or what's quote unquote right or wrong and trying to just help them develop a way to train that works for themselves. And this is one of those sort of holdovers from the road running community, which is we have to run every last freaking step for it to count. And if, you know, and if you stop before your watch reads either half a mile or a full mile, you must run in circles until your watch reaches that point and you have completed X number of miles. We can't have like 0.37. It must be 0.5. Like the watches, the smart watches are lovely, but they're also, it's just such a love hate relationship for a while there. I just, I put my watch away because I found, you know, particularly when I got wrapped up with this amazing group who has been said they're long-term friends, but they were faster than me. And I would just constantly beat myself up at the pace that I was seeing on my watch and how behind I was. And yeah, time to put that away because again, that's not my goal. <laughs> it's not my goal. But it's- yeah, did you? That was. That's funny you said that. Did you listen to the most one of the most recent episodes with Angela when she talked about putting away her watch for her 100 day running streak? No, I haven't. I've, I've gotten part way through it. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to that one because it was. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. She was just like she got too attached to it. She, you know, it was just like too too much and she sort of hit the reset and was like I'm just gonna set myself a goal to run for a hundred days and it she considered it a run whether she did point you know whether she did 10 minutes or whether she did a hundred minutes and she didn't use her watch and she this was sort of her way to kickstart her running again and and I agree like we we talked a little bit about technology sort of having that love hate relationship too because it is really useful in certain respects but at the same time, I think sort of going back to that self-assessment idea, we use technology to our detriment because we allow the technology to, to override our own personal feelings for how we think we're doing, you know, our ability to assess, is this too hard? Is this too easy? Can I go faster? Do I need to slow down? Like, nope, I just live and die by this watch, which side note, they're not 100% accurate all the time. Like my Garmin is always screwy with distance and pace. I'm like, you know, it, it just, you're, you just have to sort of, it's here, it's a tool, make use of it, but don't live and die by it or else you're going to end up sort of feeling like you just described, like, you know, beholden to it. And it's, yeah. like it's going to take over your life. <laughs> yeah. And you just, it starts to be this number that just weighs on you. It's, it's like, I guess you related to, you know, the scale, if you have, if, if you have issues around that, just letting this number kind of control how you, even if you had a great run and feel great, if you look at that pace and see that, see that, oh, well, I guess it wasn't that great. You know, if you hadn't looked at that, that 
time on there, you would have walked away feeling great, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good reminder. And if that sort of like brings up the whole idea of training with intention, which is a, a big concept that I'm always trying to, some people would say shove down their throats, but like, <laughs> like, you know, just because you get the plan that says run three miles. Well, what is that three miles? Is it three miles in zone two? Is it three miles of intervals? Is it three miles of hills? Like what's the intention? And I think a lot of times we just get lost in, well, I got to log these miles, but we don't pay attention to what's the objective of that workout. That's going to put me on the trajectory to be able to accomplish my goal. Like what do I need to actually be doing in order to get to my goal, it's not just to run three miles. Cause like you could just, you know, ad hoc, go out and run three miles, but what's the skill that needs to happen. And so that's a big one too, where I think a lot of people, they don't know what they don't know. And so I'm not like, that's, it's also a, a topic of conversation with um, all of my, all of my people is like, okay, that's great. What was the objective? And so when you get like, if the objective for that particular workout was you needed to maintain X pace for a particular period of time, then that's where you could evaluate that workout based on pace. But if the objective was zone two pace doesn't matter. Like that's a whole different set of parameters, a whole different objective. And you need to be paying attention to your body more so than you know, the watch. So oh my gosh, it's so, it's so funny that you say that too, because I think of Strava, which, you know, we often use for, for run tracking and up, up goes the pace and, you know, all your friends can see it and stuff. And it, that's so, you know, unless you're throwing it out there, this, my objective was to run this slow, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it always just seems to be this, you know, latching onto, wow, look how fast that run was. Well, yeah, it's such a it's such a good good reminder that yeah that if if pace is not the objective that of that run then don't worry about pace right yeah and I and I love I don't particularly use Strava I actually had it for a while and got rid of it just because of the reason that you're talking about you know trying to compare the comparison factor um, you know it's useful if you're looking for routes or you want to you know find places to run but. It's so easy to sort of get caught up in, well, who's the local legend this week? Like, yes. you know, and I have to go out and I have to, I've been the, you know, I've been the local legend here for the last three weeks. Somebody else got it. Now I got to go out back out and get it. And that's fine if that's sort of your objective and that's what you want to do. But if you're trying to train, like you can't do that and also be trying to train for a 50K, in my opinion. I'm sure there are people that do it, but at the same time, that's just not. It's just not conducive. So, I mean, use what you want to use, but I think having, um, what's the word I want here? Sort of like looking objectively at the technology or this, the things that you're going to use and basing them on that and not just, you know, doing it because everybody else is doing it or, you know, just sort of tapping into that. No, that's a really good reminder. It's so easy to get, to get caught up in that. And, 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 you know, even, you know, seeing an, a friend who's, who's doing a lot of runs that week, well, we're, we're running the same race. Why is she doing so many runs? You know, remembering what your objectives are, your plans are. Yeah. No, that's a really, really good reminder. <laughs> and the other thing that comes up a lot too is, well, how do I know if I'm doing enough? This one comes up a lot. Like I'm surprised at how much this, the idea of how do I know if I'm doing enough? And I, I don't know that I can succinctly tell everybody 
how, you know, everyone listening, like how to sort of understand if they're doing enough. But I do think it comes down to all the things that I keep talking about, having a plan that's specific to the goals that you want to achieve, and then showing up consistently and executing on that plan. Because that's the only way that you'll be able to do it. You're not going to be able to, I always use the analogy of just like waking up and throwing a dart at the dartboard with mileage on it. And okay, that's how, what I'm going to do today. And then the next day it's, so it could be like the dart lands on three miles one day and 27 miles the next day. It's like, there's no rhyme or reason to that. And I think lots of people who ask the question, am I doing enough are operating in that way? You know, they're trying to make up for missed runs they're, they don't show up consistently, sort of this, there's a theme to their training and it's not consistently. <laughs> well, and I think too, you know, I, I've been driven for so many years by the, you know, the importance of the long run, which is obviously huge when you're trying to achieve distance goals, but it's only recently, you know, after starting to watch, you know, your training and recommendations really that I've started to incorporate, um, and it, you know, strength training, mobility training, the shake shakedowns and stuff as a component of the training plan, that it's not just the running as, as weird as that may seem, it's, it's all the other parts of it. And, and I think where I, if I'm reflecting where I'm lacking definitely is on the nutrition and hydration side of things, but recognizing that it's all of those components too, as important as the running is obviously, but yeah, like you said, with even, even I know a, a large component of your training is walking, right. And as, as part of your training and, and yeah, when you have what, what your object, when you really know what your objectives are, it's, 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 so it's easier to, to develop that type of plan that incorporates all those things. And yeah, I think I need to do some self-reflection on the, on the objective side of things. Right. And stop playing the comparison game with, with other people and my old self even. <laughs> For sure. That's a big one too. I mean, I think everybody who's, who's listening to this could use some, just a few minutes, you know, instead of popping your headphones in and, you know, take your headphones out and just sort of reflect on what, what's my objective for this workout? What's my objective when it comes to this race? Like what, what am I lacking? You know, what am I doing really well? What am I not doing so well? Um, and I, I do think that your sort of realization that, you know, running is the sort of main course when it comes to training, but there's all these other side dishes like strength training and mobility and nutrition and sleep and rest and recovery and breathing and, you know, all the things that we sort of talk about here are the side dishes that are pretty close to main course status. Like they need to be big parts of your training in order for you to actually show up consistently to your running. Because if you're not strong enough and if your joints are weak and, you know, you just can't show up to, to, for that physical output, then it's going to be really hard to run. And so these are the auxiliary things that are actually, you know, sometimes it's like back of the house front of the, I know I have a lot of metaphors going on here, but like running is the front of the house, right? This, the show on the stage, but the, all the stuff that I just talked about, the strength, the mobility, the breathing, the nutrition, the sleep, the recovery, those are sort of the back of the house things that make the front of the house work. And that's, you know, really how you have to sort of think about it. 
I don't know if you've heard of the the wellness wheel in terms of just ge- your general health and you know your spiritual and and I guess you can do the same with with a uh, with running. So you know what what parts of the pie are there to make that that wheel go? And yeah, your long runs might be there, but when you know you start to lack on nutrition, sleep, those things start fading. That that wheel is going to get flat pretty quickly, and you're going to have a bumpy ride. It's it's kind of you know I've always used it in terms of my own personal you know. Uh, personal life, but never really thought of that kind of in, in terms of running. So yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely need to sit down and, and, and take a few minutes. It's so funny, you know, you're willing to go out on the road and, and put in all this, these hours to get this distance in, but don't even take the, you know, 10 minutes or, you know, even a half an hour to think about the intentions and objectives of why you're actually doing this other than finish the distance. You know? Yeah. And to like prep yourself for the thing, like, you know, I, and I, I think you're, there are a lot of people that operate this way. It's, it's pretty common for us to sort of think, well, running is something that I do sort of over here, like on the side, it's tangential. I, you know, it's like, I'm a lawyer, right? Like you identify maybe as your job or like you identify maybe as being a mother or you identify as something else, but we don't always necessarily identify as runners but we run. And so it's just sort of this thing over here. But when you sort of bring it into the fold and you incorporate all of that stuff into your running and into your life, not only does your running get better, but your just general overall quality of life also gets better. Like when you sleep more, when you move more with intention, when you're you know breathing better, when you're eating better. So that thing that you're sort of relegating to when you can cram it in, when you have the time, is actually the key to making the, the time that you spend not running that much better. Right. Yes. That's so huge because, you know, yeah, it can, it can start to take over all aspects of your life. If it's, you know, if you're, yeah, first of all, if your training plan is kind of wonky and, 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 and you don't have that, that balance, so to speak, but also, yeah, if you're having some negative experiences with your training and, and then it bleeds over into your personal life and vice versa. Right. And yeah, no, yeah, definitely. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, so, um, so you've got your two fifty Ks coming up, and so you've got some homework to do. I think, right? <laughs> I do. I have a lot of homework. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted to to kind of I wanted you to come on the podcast because you had such really good questions in your email about like, well, what about this and what about that? And we sort of answered a lot of them that I can sort of see as I skim through the email. It's up here in front of me. Do you have others that you want to? sort of run through while we're here? Oh my goodness. Let me think. I, you know, it, could, could we chat a bit about tapering um, mm. in terms of, yeah, often neglected and overlooked tapering. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess I'll give you the, for, for example, with the scenario I'm facing now. So the, the, there's the 30 K race at the end of March, March 27th, I think it is. And, you know, I've had a series of, of long runs. I, that have been challenging and I was going to try and do one more this weekend, (laughs) um, to try and get, you know, at least to, to 25, 26. I, I have no desire to get to the 30 or anything like that. And then it would be two weeks of sort of tapering. And 
I guess, you know, I just, I, I don't know if there's even purpose to running this last long run, if it's been, um, you know, just a tough one, or if it would be better to to start taking the taper, doing a little bit of shorter runs to get confidence. Um, you know, I guess when, it, when is tapering too much and when is tapering, when, when is tapering too little, you know, the finding that balance. Yeah. I think, um, this is a tricky one too, because without having like your training plan up in front of me, I'm sort of having to just like eyeball or kind of go with what you've, uh, the last couple of weeks that you're describing. I think if you feel good, which is very subjective, that you should go out and try another long run. If you feel like it feels good and it would, you know, help you have a good frame of mind around it in terms of it building your confidence, Mm -hmm. but you also understand that it could also go sideways, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that you're not capable of achieving your goal. So we sort of have to, one of the things, Oh gosh, who was I talking to about this the other day? I don't remember who I was talking about this with, but just, I think we would all do better especially in our training decisions to sort of take a step back and remove the emotion from it. Right. Yes. (laughs) And not be so emotionally tied to this run sucked. I suck. I should never run again. Right. Yep. (laughs) So (laughs) I have said those words. (laughs) We all have, I'm raising my hand. We all have like multiple times. And I'm not saying I never will say that ever to myself again, but at least I will say it, I will hear it, and I will be like, okay, that was your 30-second freakout. Let's just take a step back and look at the circumstances and try and figure out what's going on here. So I say this so that I think if you feel good and you feel like you can go out and do it, then I would go for that last long run. And then I would sort of start, because when when is the race? The 26th? 26th or 27th. Yeah, the Sunday. Okay. Yeah, Sunday at the end of March there. Yeah. Yeah. So then you'd still have, you could have a down week and then you could really start to taper. So if you did that long run, I'm just looking at the calendar now, like if you did that long run this weekend and you did a sort of a reduced mileage week next week, still somewhat high, like on the higher side, but not at the apex of your mileage. And then you had, you know, the week of the 14th and then the week of the 21st to really start dialing it back. And those two weeks really being rest and recovery weeks with movement injected in there. So no strength training, but like some mobility stuff, extra shakedowns, lots of walking, like some runs in there, but we're not trying to, this is the time that typically people either love or hate. (laughs) Some people love the the taper. Some people hate the taper. Yeah. And so the people who dislike the taper are typically the ones that try to inject it with all the miles that, that, that they missed during the training yes. plan because they feel like they have to atone for not having shown up for these random workouts that they missed. Um, and this is not the time to be doing that. Um, and then other people love the taper because they just, they're ready for the rest. They enjoy the lower mileage. They sort of know how to handle themselves during this downtime. Um, and I will also say that there's sort of like a, maybe an in-between group that they just are constantly in motion. They don't know how to sit still. So the taper sort of irks them because they feel like they should be doing more mileage but they know they're supposed to be dialing it back, but they can't sit still. And so these are the people that will 
you know, just sneak in extra runs a little bit, not trying to make up for a ton of stuff, but they'll try to sneak stuff in. They'll do extra strength workouts, like hit the weights hard during the taper, which is what you don't want to do. And so there's like, you know, everyone sort of handles it differently, but these are sort of the three buckets that I see. So doing that long run this weekend and then having a reduced mileage week followed by two weeks where you're just focused on does the, does the vehicle, your body work well? Are all the joints well lubricated? Like, you know, do I need to get a massage? Do I need to do an extra shakedown? Do I need to do a little bit more stretching? You know, those kinds of things. This is the time, like work on your hydration, like going into a race really well hydrated. Yeah. And that doesn't mean just the day before <laughs> that means like the week before, yes. right? Cause if you aim for the day before you're definitely going to miss it because there's only so much water you can introduce before your body has like a volume response. Yeah. And it says, no, we're like, this is going to mess with our electrolyte imbalance. So it just, it, it causes you to let it all go. But if you aim for the week before, or even the two weeks before, then you've got lots of time to get well hydrated. And if you miss a day or if you're, you know, you're, you have a drink or like if you have a couple alcoholic drinks and it dries you out or you drink too much coffee or whatever, like you've got time to play with it, right? You don't have to try and cram it into one 48 hour window. I mean, I've been so guilty of that. I, I think I've been fallen in all the three, those, all of those buckets that you've mentioned with, you know, past raises and stuff. And yeah, definitely like the scrambling to try and make up the distances. And then, you know, when you actually take the taper seriously and do the, you know, the, the, the last option or whatever to, you know, to, it's funny though. That's the probably the the ment mentally like the most challenging because there's that whole question of well, am I going to lose my fitness? And, and you know you're not because you know you're not going to gain fitness in that. You know what I mean? It's it's such a it's such a mental game. Um, but you know, recognizing that it works and it's 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 there for a reason. I yeah, definitely need to take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, people often people often think that with the taper they're going to like it's going to be overnight that when they stop running, they won't be able to run anymore and they won't be able to accomplish their, their goal. But that's just simply not the case. Like you've spent all this time building up. I mean, it is the case if you've done really, really, really spotty training and you haven't developed your zone two, you haven't, you know, gotten strong enough and it's just so sporadic. That would be a case for, yeah, if you took two weeks off, you'd go back to nothing. But if you've shown up consistently, you've put in the mileage, you've done the strength, you've done all the things, then these two weeks are a nice reprieve and a recovery time for you to then have that big effort, like, you know, replenish all your fuel stores and everything so that when you go out to have that big effort, you can do it knowing that your body's going to support you because you've given it everything. Right. It needs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, it's been so much fun having you. Um, maybe you'll have to come back and tell us uh, how your first 50 K went. You can sort of give us the rundown and share. I'd love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, hopefully uh, we'll see you again soon here on the podcast. And uh, it was so much fun having you. Thank you so much, Megan. <laughs> How awesome is Lindsay, you guys? Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you're like Lindsay, you're somebody who's contemplating your first ultra this year, you're probably realizing that there's stuff that you don't know. And that's 
totally okay. And I can actually assure you that there's even stuff that you don't know you don't know. (laughs) That is part of this whole training process. So with that in mind, I'm excited to announce that next week we're going to kick off a special multi-part series all about running your first 50K. And basically I'm going to walk you through six key areas that you need to address during your training and have dialed in before you tow the starting line. Okay. Also, don't forget that applications for my group coaching program, Run Your First 50K, are now open for the next session that starts in April. And so to go and check out the details of the program and to apply, simply just go to runyourfirst50k.com. It's all one word smashed together. That's runyourfirst50k.com. You can get all the information and apply for the program. So this isn't one that you can just openly sign up for every single session. I take applications and really look to put together uh, a nice cohesive group of women that want to run their first 50K this year. All right. So that's all for this episode, you guys. Enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon.